Hi, and welcome to the podcast version of Between the Lines. Thanks for tuning in. If you want to hear or see more episodes and become a patron to get exclusive content and help keep our program going, just visit barrykibrick.com. Enjoy. Does the body rule the mind, or does the mind rule the body? That question was posed by the singer-songwriter Morrissey of the rock group The Smiths. And it's the question we're going to explore today. Welcome, I'm Barry Kibrick. For years, we've heard that it's always been mind over matter. But with recent knowledge, the body may be taking the lead, or there may not even be a duality between the two. The quest to find out will be fascinating in any case, even if it's never solved. Between the Lines with Barry Kibrick is made possible in part by the following contributors. A complete list of funders is available at barrykibrick.com. As we delve into the body-mind quest, I want to share something with you that happened my senior year in high school. I was one of the captains of our football team. And this took place on the day of one of the games that were right near the very end of the season. It also happened to be the day of our final chance to take the SATs in order for us to get into college. On the last practice of the week before the game on Saturday, I suffered from such a severe back spasm that I couldn't even get down into my stance. The coach insisted I go home, take a hot shower, and lay down so I could be ready for the game. The game, due to everyone in the state taking the SATs in the morning after, was scheduled for later in the day, and we all were sure I'd be fine by then. I woke up that morning, and my back, it wasn't perfect, but I was nowhere in as much pain as the day before. Like most of the players on the team, we went to take our SATs and then headed to the locker room to get ready for the game. By the time the game started, I still had back pain, but the game was a big one, and it wasn't going to stop me from playing. Now, I played all four years in high school and never suffered any injury but a small nick in my ankle from an opposing player's cleat. As we began the second quarter of the game, my back was was really beginning to loosen up, and I was, I was feeling good. I played offensive and defensive tackle, but I was also the shotgun center for field goals and punts. And as we neared the end of the second quarter, we had to punt the ball, and I perfectly snapped it back to the kicker and began to run down to help cover the punt and squared up against the runner, preparing to make a great tackle. I had him completely in my grasp, but I was bringing him down. And as I was doing it, 
his teammate clipped me from the side and put his helmet through my knee. It was not only a game-ending injury, but it would keep me from playing for the rest of my life. And I had two scholarships pending, but that dream was over. Now, when I look back at it years later, it was one of the greatest things that could have happened because although I was a pretty good high school player, I really didn't have the desire to play in college, nor did I remotely have the desire or the talent to go any further. But something interesting happened. About 10 to 15 years later, when I was telling this story to my wife, something clicked in my mind. Was my body, the day before my SATs, and a big game trying to tell me something? Did it know something that my mind didn't know? For a long time, I pondered this situation and began to realize, once I made this realization, that I could detect it happening over and over again. Then, just a few years ago, a book came into my office. It was by a man named Stephen Siskold, and what it was called was, What's Your Body Telling You? I knew I had to have him on the show and delve deeply into this issue. He thought it would be a good idea and we've been very friendly ever since his appearance. And the words that deeply caught my attention was when he said this, your body is your brilliant ally. It has its own intelligence, a natural grasp of the deeper truth that your mind alone can never comprehend. Wow! Not only did I feel validated, but I began to uncover many other prominent physicians and thinkers beginning to talk about how your body is always ready to give you the most reliable information. And Stephen said, it also is able to reveal the best decisions to make. Now, let me share with you why so many are now taking this approach and why you need to begin listening to your body. By no means ignoring your mind, but by paying close attention to the signals your body sends you every moment of your life, you will become even more in tune with your mind. Now, the first reason 
most are now becoming aware of this process is almost too obvious to not have realized it sooner. And I'll bet if you read enough works by everyone from Socrates to da Vinci or from Cicero to Newton, you'll find out that this actually has been in our human consciousness for much longer than I did at first. But sometimes even the ancients, when they are aware of it, it's important for our moderns to have it reinforced. So this obvious reason is really quite simple to understand. The cells in our body are much older in the historical order than the cells in our brain, especially in the most thinking part of our brain, the frontal lobe. In evolutionary terms, when we broke off from our common ancestor and formed the humanoid lineage, even before our brains were fully developed as they became, the cells in the body go back millions of years they have literally millions of years more experience in knowing what they know than the cells that make up our brains do. It was further reinforced by another guest on my show, the renowned physicist Leonard Mlodinow, co-author with Stephen Hawking of The Grand Design and author of many books about physics and the world around us. In one of his most recent books, The Upright Thinkers, he lets us know that part of the brain that sets us apart from other animals is relatively small, and it was very late in coming. Now, don't get me wrong. Our brains, and especially our frontal lobe, has compensated quite well. And with that frontal lobe of ours in full swing, it has powers that are awesome. That's why, as we look further into this, we'll see that there really is a dual connection that we need to pay attention to. But again, I want to go a bit more into about paying attention to our bodies. And to paraphrase Stephen Sisko, what our bodies are telling us and why we must listen. For he does alert us to the fact that once we become removed from our bodily experience, it becomes easier to ignore the physical or emotional signals. In fact, the more we realize this, the more we can utilize our bodies by listening to its signals, and the more we can care for ourselves and even improve 
the way we think. Let me give you a classic example. You wake up and you know, you can tell, you feel it. You're coming down with something. Maybe it's a common cold, maybe a queasiness in your stomach. For some people, I've seen them go to work even with the flu. Now, at first, it seems like a brave act. I'm not going to let some ache or pain stop me from anything. Remember my back spasms? I wasn't going to let it stop me from playing in that game. Now, I'm going to continue with my day no matter what we say. Now, sometimes that may be the right decision. Only you really, truly know your body. But for most cases, you really need to heed that little message. Your body is telling you that something's wrong. And if you can act on it right away, you'll be in a much, much better situation. For example, instead of going into work, of course, that's only if you have the option. Please take the day off. Lay in bed. Relax. And you'll be amazed at how quickly you will recover and get back to your normal homeostasis or body balance. Again, I'm aware that sometimes, under certain circumstances, you may have no choice. But when you do and continue to ignore your body's signal, you are asking for trouble. And you're not helping your coworkers either. When we take a body-first approach, we instantly upgrade our perspective and decision-making power. And you don't get the rest of your office sick either. So in a way, it's really not a selfish act, but a selfless act. Remember, the body holds a record of everything identifying our patterns gives us the choice to use them and even to change them. For every thought and feeling creates a physiological effect that occurs at a cellular level. And that level is extremely deep. That level goes back not just the 10 million or so years that we as a species have existed, but that goes back 100 millions of years that our cells have existed. The great philosopher Spinoza said, our physiology sparks emotions. Those emotions influence our thinking. And if we're not aware of that, those thoughts then, they act like gasoline we pour on our own emotions, which continue to build combustion in our bodies until they blow up and our body is in real 
pain or illness because it is totally affecting our physiology. And this can keep going on in a vicious cycle if we do not listen to our body and only pay attention to our mind. For your body speaks to you directly. The tricky part is that we can't always put our finger on where the brain steps in. And I don't want to underestimate that at all, for that really is the trickiest part, because we must combine the two. We must do it in order to take advantage of this knowledge. In order to take advantage, we must remain resilient and stay on our purpose to be engaged with our body, our beliefs, and our mind. And most importantly, not to sabotage any of them. Because I know that even though I know better, that's still so darn hard for me to do. I don't know about you, but I almost have to laugh at every time I've gotten in my own way of being certain I've known better and still did the opposite. Now, I must admit that as I mentioned once in an earlier talk we had, that actually helped helped me out. It, It really did. But for the most part, why can't I just get it right the first time? Anyway, our body is always doing its thing. Whether you choose to listen to it or not, what's miraculous about us as human beings is that we have the ability to make a choice in every moment. In every moment of our life, we can make a choice. And one of those wonderful choices is to get out of your head and into your body. But now, I can't help but think we also have to join the two back together. For they are not two separate entities. Sure. They may have different messages when it comes down to it. We've got to, though, bring them back into a oneness. Now, one renowned guest I had on my show was a gentleman named Dr. David Simon. He was head of the Chopra Institute, and he phrased the bringing of the mind and body together in a very visual way that thoroughly sent it home for me. He said, we have a mobile brain, a mobile brain that moves throughout our entire body, not just located in our mind's brain, but located in all places at once, not just in the head, 
but in our body cells. So our body cells, along with our brain cells, really put the whole picture together. But there may be a little more to it. Saul McLeod, a researcher at the University of Manchester in England, gives us one more thing that we need to ponder. And this, you'll see, this will throw us off a little bit, but I'll bring it all back together. He acknowledges that the mind is about mental processes, thought, and consciousness. The body is about the physical aspects of the brain's neurons, and how the brain is structured. But then he asks this question. Is the mind part of the body or the body part of the mind? If they are distinct, then how do they interact? And which of the two is really in charge? Well, now I get to give you my theory, because that's what I get to do when I chat with you. So here it goes. The bottom line is, the best medicine for the mind lays within the wisdom of the body. Pay close attention to it and stop trying to will it with your mind. And believe it or not, the mind's best intentions and the body's best intentions are really connected because they all have a mind of their own. But the mind does house our spirit and our reason for being. And that is what life is all about. So give it plenty of room to breathe and let it guide you to treating your body better and let your body guide you to treating your mind better. Now, as I often say, these words are easy to say, but putting them into action, that is what the challenge always is. I'm constantly trying to figure out how not to make it that way, but finally realized that's just the way it is. But you can do something to keep your eye on the prize. Narrow your focus, completely opposite of what I was thinking a long time. Do not widen your focus but narrow it like a marksman has to do. Don't widen it thinking you have to figure out everything you can about your body or your mind. Just begin to realize their interconnectivity. Begin to pay closer attention to them both without it becoming an overwhelming experience. The goal, after all, is not to understand it all 
for that's impossible. The quest, however, is to become more aware and to better deal with your entire self, which inevitably will help you deal better with others as well. And when it comes to body over mind or mind over body, you know what the third line in that Smith song by Morrissey, which is what I started this talk was? It was simply this, I don't know. All you really can do and want to do is to narrow the gap between finding balance in your own mind and body. Even the slightest narrowing of that gap will be a huge change in how you feel in body and in mind. As the world-renowned Dr. Eva Seleb says in these are her words, and they are so beautifully put together. In mind-body medicine, the mind and body are not seen as separately functioning entities, but as one functioning unit. The mind and emotions are viewed as influencing the body, and the body, in turn, influences the mind and emotions. I'm Barry Kibrick. Mind your body and your body will mind your brain. If you'd like to see some additional episodes, listen to my podcast and connect with me personally, just visit my website at barrykibrick.com. So until we meet again, as always, Common sense is truly the best guide we have to our mind and our body. The only real issue we have to deal with is making common sense more common than it appears to be. Till next time.